0: that the Reds remain top of the league. Liverpool 4, Chelsea 1 last night at Anfield in what I believe up until the quadruple substitution is the best Liverpool performance in years. I think it's the most one-sided performance I've seen by any team in the Premier League this season. The Reds were absolutely sensational. Led by a right-back who's got 14 appearances now for the club in Conor Bradley, who put on an absolute clinic in how to play right back and right wing and right-sided forward all by himself. He was just outstanding. The whole team were brilliant though. There's not a player you could look at last night and say he was any less than an eight out of ten. And there was a couple who genuinely warranted 10 out of 10. Connor Bradley deserved 10 out of 10. Alexis McAllister deserved 10 out of 10. Diogo Jota deserved 10 out of 10. Had one of Darwin's chances gone in, I think he would have been 10 out of 10 as well. Darwin had 11 shots last night. He hit the woodwork four times including from a penalty. The penalty and a second half header, he should have scored. He should have scored. If he scores them, it's 6-1. When I tell you that 4-1 hugely flattered Chelsea, I genuinely mean it. If that game had ended 8-1, nobody could have said it wasn't warranted. Such was the level of dominance from Liverpool. We opened the scoring on 23 minutes after 23 minutes of utter dominance. We had absolutely battered them all over Anfield, run them off the ball, bullied them, cut them open and generated chance after chance. Not all big chances, but we were getting opportunities. And 23 minutes, they have the ball just inside our half. Connor Bradley snaps into a tackle, wins the ball back. Ball breaks to Dominic. He just lays it back to Bradley and he's away. He drives forward purposely looking to make things happen. Plays a gorgeous ball with perfect weight to Diogo Jota. And then doesn't stop to admire his pass. Makes the outside run so that the left back can't cheat in. Darwin makes a run. the other side so that the right back can't cheat in. And Diogo Jota in the most Diogo Jota way possible bundles his way through Badiashile and Silva holds off Silva. I'm sorry, holds off Badiashile, who by the way handled the ball and finished brilliantly past Petrovic. And we were absolutely warranted in being ahead. On 39 minutes after 16 more minutes of dominance, 16 more minutes of chances, Connor Bradley makes it two. Alexis does brilliantly snaps into a challenge on the halfway line, wins the ball, feeds Diaz. Jota makes a run kind of behind Ben Chilwell and Ben Chilwell decides to get involved in a wrestling match. Now, First things first, Ben Chilwell is miles at a position here. But he gets involved in a wrestling match with Jota and both of them hit the deck, which allows Diaz to just run completely unchallenged across the pitch. He feeds the perfect ball into Bradley, who's flying forward, leaving Raheem Sterling in his wake. Good first touch, better second touch. And it's a fantastic finish. It's not the finish of a kid who's only played 14 games for us, most of which were minutes here and there. It's just not that finish. This is the finish of a 25-year-old who's been in the team for six, seven years and played a couple of hundred games. Composed, confident. It's an absolutely outstanding finish. It's absolutely magnificent. Then we get a penalty. Diogo Jota is fouled. Darwin steps up and does everything right. It's the perfect penalty, but it hits the post rather than going in. Sends the keeper the wrong way. Strikes it really well. It hits the post. He's just cursed. He just is cursed. We go in at 2-0. It should be three. It could be four or five. That's how good we were in that first half. It could easily have been four or five. We come out in the second half. They have about three minutes where they look dangerous. About like that. About three minutes because they made a triple sub at half time. They took off Ben Chilwell, who'd arrived as their captain. They took off Noni Mudeki. And they took off Conor Gallagher. I think that was the halftime subs. Yeah, it was. They brought on Nkunku for Gallagher, Gusto for Chilwell, and Mudrick for Mudeki. And having pocketed Raheem Sterling in the first half, Conor Gallagher then pocketed Mikhailo Mudrik who switched across and Sterling went to the other side in the hopes that it might be easier against Joe Gomez who also pocketed him. Um, Yeah, they they had about three minutes where they looked like they might put up a bit of a fight and then it became all about us again. And we should have scored a couple more. But then on 65 we get Some good possession. Ball comes back to Virgil. He flings the perfect ball, switching across to Connor Bradley. Good first touch. Stands up Baddy Ashile. Rips past him. Delivers the perfect cross. Diaz makes a great front post run. Defender has to go with him. Dominic glides in. Bullet header. 3-0. And that's it. That's game over. Now, from there, we make the quadruple sub. And from there, we have about eight minutes where we're off the boil a little bit. And they score through Christopher and Kunku. And then we just decide to take over again. And Alexis plays the ball into the channel. Darwin abuses Tiago Silva, swings across a great low cross. And Luis Diaz comes in at the back post to finish. That's 4-1. And 4-1 was the least we deserved. From there, we could have potentially scored a couple more, but we were plain sailing. We knew the game was over. Chelsea fans have had themselves a big cry. Rather than just accept that they got absolutely battered, and to emphasize how battered they were, we had 28 shots. They had four. We had 13 shots on target. They had three. We had eight corners. They had one. We hit the woodwork four times. Five times we hit the woodwork. We just destroyed them. Absolutely destroyed them. They're trying trying to make out that the referee did them dirty. So the big incidents with the referee, Conor Gallagher dives to try and win a penalty. He takes a bad touch. And he just sort of throws himself into Virgil. It's not a penalty. In no way is it a penalty. Ali McCoist and Joe Cole made people think it was a penalty with their biased commentary. There's no way it's a penalty. Ben Chilwell booked for diving. He should have been booked for diving again a couple of minutes later. Referee got that decision right as well. The Jota a penalty is obvious as anything his foot gets stood on. There's just no way to argue. It's a clear penalty. And then there's the Virgil on Nkunku one, which we don't see a good replay of. We only see slow motion. But if someone kicks you low on the back of the heel, you don't fall over the way Mudrik fa- or the way Nkunku falls over. You just don't. Now, is there contact? Yes. How much? Who knows? We didn't get a good replay of it. If it had been given by the referee, it probably doesn't get overturned. But I think the referee got it right. The more I've watched it, I think the referee got it right. I don't think it was a penalty. Chelsea are lucky they got out of there without getting absolutely embarrassed. It's as simple as that. They they just got absolutely walloped. And Connor Bradley was the man of the match. Like It wasn't like, it wasn't trent it was connor bradley a 20 year old making his 14th appearance for liverpool his second appearance in the league scoring a goal having two assists henry jackson had a tweet earlier that connor bradley since jürgen announced he was leaving has four assists and that anthony since joining Manchester United for 85 million, has four assists. They also both have a goal each. But Connor Bradley's came against Chelsea in the Premier League and Anthony's came against Newport, who are in League Two. And Bradley is the second new academy player to really pop this season for us after Gerald Kwanzaa. And we know that we've had Trent and we've had Curtis Jones. Trent has developed into the best right back in the world. Curtis this season has been one of the best midfielders in the league. Those two have been in the the first team picture for a while, and we've sort of been waiting for more academy graduates to come along. And it's important to give flowers where they're warranted. And the academy, the staff there, they absolutely deserve the flowers. Gerald Kwanza has been magnificent for us this season. 17 appearances, 13 starts across all competitions, six starts in the league, and he looks like he's been there for years. Connor Bradley, that's now nine starts this season. Sorry, nine appearances this season, six starts, two in the league. Again, looks like he's been there for years and years. Now, some people will say, well, what about Harvey Elliott? I don't I don't really class Harvey. As an academy player, he played very little in our academy. He arrived from Fulham's first team and has largely been in our first team or on loan with Blackburn's first team or injured. He's never really spent any time in the academy. I think he's played like 15 games or something like that in the academy for us. So I wouldn't class him as an academy player. I think he's more a first team Generated player. But. Cueven Kelleher. Is definitely an academy player. He's got 12 appearances this season. Two in the league. And he's been. Bar a couple of shaky games. He's been largely very good. And we know we'll make good money off him. If we sell him in the summer. Ben Doak has played five times this season. One appearance in the league. He's got a lot of potential. Again, he's someone that arrived from from Celtic, but he has played a fair bit for the Academy. James McConnell, four appearances this season. Luke Chambers, four appearances this season. Bobby Clark is now up to four appearances. Kate Gordon has had two appearances, obviously working his way back from injury. Callum Scanlon, two appearances. Stefan Bissetich, two appearances. And Owen Beck, one appearance. Like that's, That's a lot of outstanding young talent. That's 11 young players. Pure academy graduates. Really making their way this season. Kwanzaa, Kelleher, Bradley, Doak, McConnell, Chambers, Clark, Gordon, Scanlon, Besetich, and Beck. Can we make a team out of them? Kelleher and Goal. Bradley, right back, Kwanzaa, and Chambers as the centre backs. Go Beck, left back. We put Scanlon, left wing, Ben Doak, right wing, James McConnell, and Stefan Besetic in midfield. And then Bobby Clark playing off Kate Gordon. That's a team. (laughs) it's a team (laughs) just from the Academy this year now Queeveen's been there a few years obviously but still that's a team from the Academy this year that's really impressive like it's really really impressive and we've long looked at the Hayland and Coam and we've thought you know why, why don't we have an Academy producing talent the same way theirs is and it is now starting to churn players out, and it's it's massive for our future. And the owners deserve credit. They've invested heavily in the academy. Jürgen deserves credit. He's put belief in the academy. Pepin Linders and Vitor Mat- Matos deserve huge credit because they're the, one that have created, the ones that have created the pathways. So they deserve credit. And then obviously Ang- Alex Inglethorpe. Alex Inglethorpe and all of his staff at the academy deserve enormous credit because... For too long, our academy hasn't produced. You know, we get the odd player here and there. And not all of these players are going to work out to be Liverpool players. Let's be clear on that. But some of them will be. And the ones who aren't will leave for decent fees. You know, it won't be just a million quid to Aberdeen or 500 grand to Oxford or whoever. A lot of these players, when they leave the club, will leave for millions. And that's a big advantage that Chelsea and City have had over us, is that they're able to sell academy players for 10 million, 15 million, 20 million. Now, I think with us, because we prioritize smaller groups at each age class, we won't have the numbers that they have. And we'll also be more likely to keep them involved in the first team. Even, you know, if they're not quite starter quality, if they're good squad players, we'd be more likely to keep them in that regard. I think the players would be happier to stay as squad players with us than they would be at Chelsea because there's much more of a, there's a stronger culture, a much stronger culture, but it's all very positive. And that performance last night Led by an academy player, with another academy player in Curtis Jones being tremendous in midfield. I think it's just, it's so good for the future of the club. <laughs> and I said this on Twitter the other day. So much of Jurgen's legacy at Liverpool will be written after he leaves. It will happen after he leaves because he hasn't left behind. A scorched earth policy. He's not a Mourinho or a Conte. He's not doing what Ferguson did, what Wenger did, leaving behind squads in need of complete rebuild. We need at most four to five players, at most, for the squad. We need at most three starters. Like, think of how much United and Arsenal have spent trying to rebuild post-Ferguson, post-Wenger and how they've stumbled and bumbled over it all. Neither of them left behind a single world-class player. Wenger left some world-class talents in Ozil and Aubameyang and he left a really good player in Lacazette, but they weren't world-class players. They didn't function well together. He left behind an absolute train wreck in defence, a mess in midfield, and no goalkeeper that you would deem worthy of the name. Ferguson left behind a squad which contained players who had been great, but were all well past their best. He had rinsed every last drop out of them. Jürgen's going to leave behind the best goalkeeper in the world, the best centre-back in the world, the second best centre back in the league, the best right back in the world, and its standing group of support defenders in Joe Gomez, Gerald Kwanzaa, Andy Robertson, Cal- uh, Connor Bradley, Callum Chambers, Callum Sc- uh, Luke Chambers, Callum Scanlan, Calvin Ramsey players who are either good enough to be really good squad players, good enough to start a lot of games, if not necessarily part of your best 11, and really, really promising youngsters. And the academy has a couple more youngsters. That Nalo kid looks very, very promising. As does the kid that punched the United player. I can get on board with a fellow like that. The same then in midfield. He's leaving Dominic, Alexis, Curtis... You, you couldn't ask for a better building ground in midfield than those three. You've also got Endo, who'll play a role for the next couple of years. Besetic, Clark, McConnell, Gravenberg, Elliot. if you want to consider him a midfielder. I know Jürgen does, but the next guy probably won't. And then in attack, Moe, Darwin, Jota, Diaz, Gakpo, plus then Cade Gordon and Ben Doak and Harvey. Like, Jürgen's leaving behind almost the finished product. Talked about it the other day. Amram, three players. Alonso, three players. De Zerbe, three players for the team. Couple more then for the squad. At most, two more three if Kelleher goes, but you can replace him with the money you get from. Like you're talking about maybe 200 million at most to complete the squad because that's what he's leaving behind. And it's a squad where you look at the average age, you look at the ages of the players. It's so young, so young across the board, Barr, Mo, Virgil, and Allison. Robbo's that bit older as well, but he if you have him in a squad role, he'll be able to go for another three, four years in a squad role. Alisson has probably four years of being the best goalkeeper in the world ahead of him. He's only 31. You could easily be looking at him at 35 and thinking he's still the best keeper in the world. Virgil, again, I just don't see why he wouldn't remain the best centre-back in the world for another three years to 35, 36. He's so far ahead of everybody. And I, I just don't, especially if we move to a back three, I mean, cigar and slippers job for him. And Mo. Like, even if Mo's all-round game were to take a dip, which would be the complete opposite of what's happened over the last few years as his all-round game has expanded and expanded and gotten better and better, he's in such incredible shape that if he just wants to morph into purely a poacher, like Cristiano did, there's no reason you couldn't get four great years out of Mo. There's no reason. He's, he is fully capable of it. Like, Jürgen is leaving behind the perfect situation. And it's a funny thing where, in one way, it's much easier to replace Jürgen than it was Brendan because of what Jürgen has, has built and what he's left behind. But then in the other way, it's so much harder because... Well, it's, it's Jürgen, what he's won and who he is and what he represents. But people who've written us off and said that we're going to fall apart, people who've compared the situation to Ferguson and Wenger, they couldn't be further away from the truth. And last night was a bit of a look into what our future is. Like, remember, we did that last night without Mo with Trent coming off the bench when we were already 3-0 up. That's two of our four best players. Two players who are undeniably not only in Premier League 11s, but they're in all-time Premier League 11s and they're in World 11s. They're not there last night. And we still wiped the floor with the billion-pound team. It's pretty spectacular, folks. It really is. Uh, Check out This Is Anfield. There's a lot of good post-match coverage on there. Check out liverpool.com for all your hopes and dreams. Um, On anfieldindex.com, there is a piece about Ange Postacoglu. Could he be the candidate to replace Jürgen? I don't think he would leave Tottenham after a year, but I'd certainly take him. Jurgen praising Darwin for his role in last night's win. There's uh, a piece about David Lynch's analysis of the game. A piece about FSG and their expansion into PGA Golf. A piece on Jurgen hitting 200 wins and Neil Jones' thoughts on that. And then podcast-wise, there is post-match Raw hosted by Guy. Trev couldn't make it last night because he had to go to the game and keep an eye on the referee and make sure that there was no shenanigans He warned him beforehand that there was going to be an extended emergency ref watch and that he would drag him on by his ears and make him answer questions. So the referee put in a solid performance. Uh, So big thanks to Trev for doing the dirty work that none of the rest of us could do. Uh, That's it, folks. I will talk to you all. Oh, so I should point out it was Guy, myself and Carol on Raw with no Trev last night. Um, Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.